Hello, and welcome to Polylog, a weekly dialogue that takes a critical look at the policymaker, the politician, and the journalist, because each is critical and each demands criticism. I'm Brendan Steidel, your co-host and communications specialist in government, technology, and healthcare. Our goal for Polylog is to look at the policy and the framing of various instances of political journalism. Polylog is our attempt to find, praise, and demand constructive political dialogue. Today is Monday, July 4th, 2022. Happy Independence Day to everybody out there. Today, I'm excited to bring you the final section of my Solving Guns project. This is a multi-part series that we're sharing first with our Polylog listeners, a project I've spent years on. The goal? To examine every form of gun violence, to go deep on the reasons why people own guns in the first place, and to find solutions without passing gun control laws, although some are passing right now, which is good to see to help reduce violence. Whether you love guns or hate them, my hope is that the solutions here can unite those on the left and the right behind one goal, to save lives, something we can all agree on. You can find this project with written versions and some videos online at solvingguns.org. You can also find access to the 2,000 plus pages of facts and statistics that I leaned on for this project. This is part 14. This begins our discussion on guns in Hollywood, a focus on the media. So let's go ahead and begin. So as part of this project, I did a quick little survey one day taking a look at Netflix. I created a new account so that I wasn't biased by anything, any viewing habits or preferences. And I just did a quick count looking at the main screen on how many guns were visible on the movie posters. Now, Netflix creates its own posters. These aren't the ones you see at the movie theater. But scrolling through, I was able to count out of 190 images on the screen, 22 posters featuring guns. That's actually more than I thought, especially since Netflix posters are really heavy on faces and little else. So what do these numbers mean? Well, they point to a fact that shouldn't be surprising, that guns are everywhere. I've heard far more gunfire on TV than I've ever seen fired in real life. And that's true probably for most people, even gun enthusiasts. It must be in the thousands, maybe the hundreds of thousands of guns that I've seen on TV and movies. And we see guns everywhere, on posters and t-shirts and lunchboxes. Hardly a movie passes without seeing one gun or another. Think back, for example, to movies you've loved. Did they have a gun? At least one gun in one scene or another? It's crazy when you actually try to think about it. Back to the Future, no guns there, not in the 1950s world that Marty McFly visits. Except, wait, the Libyans have guns and they shoot Doc and that's what puts the whole story in motion. Titanic, the story there, has nothing to do with guns. It's an iceberg. That's the biggest weapon on the ship. But, ah, there it is. Rose's fiancé chases Rose and Jack down into the bowels of the ship, gun blazing. You've got mail. Actually, there is no gun in this movie, and the only mention of murder is by a strangler, or from a movie reference to The Godfather. So good work to Nora Ephron there. 
Jurassic Park is about dinosaurs out of control, and it does feature two guns, the one that Muldoon aims before he gets stalked by the raptors, and the one that Ellie and Grant reach for as they desperately fight to keep the door closed, a dinosaur on the other side. The gun does fire, but we only hear it and see the cracked glass. Now, the numbers bear this out. Since 1985, the amount of gun violence in PG-13 movies has tripled, according to a study published in the journal Pediatrics by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And if you look at just big box office movies, as an analysis by The Hollywood Reporter did, the number of gun models on display was up 51% in the five years between 2010 and 2015 versus a decade earlier. Now, that's crazy to think of. 51%. What happened in that decade? Why was that decade so much more gun-wielding? And yet it was, and it shouldn't surprise us, because guns are perfect plot devices. They're almost magic in their power to heighten the energy of a scene, to set stories in motion, and ultimately to resolve them with a bang. But all of this magic communicates something to the public. Guns are effective. That's what's being said. That they're good to have if you find yourself in trouble. Good to have if you want to make trouble. Good to take from your enemies. And good to give to your friends. Guns are always good to have at hand. Locked and loaded, just in case. Let's try not to be political here. Let's just look at the facts. What role do guns in the movies play when it comes to gun sales and when it comes to gun violence? That's an important question because film could have two positive effects on sales. First, movies could make guns look desirable to have. That is, movies could encourage gun purchases. That could be true. And number two, movies could make gun violence look like a good option. That is, movies could encourage action with guns, whether the viewer already had a gun or didn't have one yet. The important point here? Encouraging you to buy a gun doesn't mean the movies are encouraging you to use it for violence. It could do one or the other, or it could do both. In one sense, movies might sell the gun as a product by itself, wholly disconnected from its role in violence, maybe for the cool factor, for some historical interest, or as a signifier for status. In this way, guns might not even need to be fired to seem desirable. Take one of those posters, for example, for a James Bond film. He might not be firing the gun in the poster, but the simple fact of him holding a gun makes the gun seem worth having. He's cool, the gun is cool, and maybe the gun more than the tuxedo is what makes him cool. Maybe it could make you cool too. The crazy thing in this kind of message is that the gun doesn't even have to be seen firing. It doesn't even have to be in focus. It just has to be there. You just have to know it's there to know what effect it's bringing to the holder. But what about violence? In the other sense, movies might make guns desirable as a tool for committing or defending against violence. Guns used by good characters or bad, it doesn't matter. If the character is choosing to use the gun for violence, for asserting power and independence, the message is clear. Guns are effective. Think of all those times that a character found themselves in a dangerous situation. Each time they reached for a gun, the movie is saying that the gun is a solution to this problem, and maybe other problems too. The movie makers will argue, of course. Maybe they'll scream, it's just a movie! Or more than that, 
It's an artistic statement. That's not what I meant. Just because a character does it doesn't mean that's what the director believes. I agree 100% with this argument. The problem is, science doesn't care what the director or the writer or the actor believes. And the science is clear. Seeing guns used effectively makes guns more desirable. The more guns people desire, the more they buy. The more they buy, the more they have. And the more guns people have, the more accidents and suicides and violence that occurs. It's a straight line, unfortunately, from portrayals of guns in film to violence here in the real world. No matter what the intention of the crew. Guns aren't alone in this. Oliver Stone intended his portrayal of investors in the movie Wall Street in the 1980s to disgust the sensibilities, but Gordon Gekko inspired a whole generation of cutthroat Wall Street traders. Cigarettes are an even better example. Most portrayals of cigarettes aren't paid for by advertisers, but these portrayals advertise the benefits of cigarette smoking all the same. In fact, according to the U.S. Surgeon General, if we cut cigarettes just out of youth-rated films, that is, all future G, PG, and PG-13 movies, we could cut the youth smoking rate by 18%. Put another way, all of the smoking in those films succeed in advertising cigarettes and boost the youth smoking rate by 22%. If that's what cigarettes in movies do to smoking, what do guns in movies do to gun sales? The numbers are pretty insane, and the evidence is clear. As gunmaker Gordon Bond noted, quote, Our company's gun has been in probably 20 different TV shows, and 80% of those we didn't know happened. It's free advertising. End quote. Even if it isn't free, gunmakers know it's advertising, and it's worth the price. The gun manufacturer Beretta paid the Mark Wahlberg movie Lone Survivor a quarter of a million dollars to showcase its 92FS pistol on screen. According to Gary Ramey, the Beretta executive who secured the deal, he said, quote, The movies provide a great opportunity to feature or highlight firearms. End quote. Now, I know there's argument out there. There are people who argue that violence on the screen doesn't cause violence in viewers. A few things to note on this. First, when it comes to TV and movie violence, the evidence is there. In fact, there's as much of a link between films and violence as there is that aspirin helps reduce heart attacks. As a widely cited 2003 study noted, quote, the scientific debate over whether media violence increases aggression and violence is essentially over, end quote. Second, we're not just talking about violence here. So even if you don't believe the science connecting movie violence with real violence, it's still dangerous to portray guns in movies. Think of it this way. As a worried parent in a difficult neighborhood, when you try to think of effective ways to protect your family, wouldn't you think of all of those portrayals of guns as powerful and intimidating weapons? Wouldn't you want one of those powerful weapons to protect your family? Instead of boring and never-portrayed alternatives like a home security system or a taser or stun gun, you want a real gun, right? Anything that sells more guns and makes their use desirable is dangerous. Because as we've seen, gun ownership puts the owner more at risk than not owning a gun. The more guns that are owned, the more accidents, suicides, and violence that occurs. Period. Finally, Someone might argue that seeing a gun in a movie isn't an advertisement for that gun. 
But the fact is, product placement in film and television is a major avenue of advertising. Each year, more than $6 billion are spent on it, including money spent by the gun industry. To call into question product placement is to call into question all advertising. In fact, according to a report published in the Journal of Management and Marketing Research, quote, product placement growth is expected to significantly outpace that of traditional advertising and marketing, end quote. Advertising itself is a $600 billion business that literally makes the world go round. Remember, Facebook and Google are free to you because advertisers are paying the bill. To deny that the portrayal of guns in films sells more guns is like denying gravity. Even if you deny it, it's still working on you and those around you. It's still the glue that holds the world together. Among the top 30 films released each year, there are two to three sequences with guns per hour. That's between six and nine gun sequences per film each year. And so, knowing this, and knowing that these films are viewed 1.3 billion times each year in the U.S. alone, and knowing that each of those viewings is an advertisement that helps sell more guns, what can we do about it? What can we do that will reduce the risk of suicides, violence, and accidents? A few things. First, we can try to reduce the prevalence of guns in films. Second, we can try to reduce the prevalence of gun violence in films. Where guns are portrayed, we can communicate safe gun handling and storage. And where gun use is portrayed, we can show how it can often be ineffective and less effective than alternatives. And where gun violence is portrayed, we can communicate something of the real world of gun violence, one marked by suicide far more than homicide. And when homicide does occur, we can make its full human cost more visible. So let's see how we can make this happen. First, let's look at trying to reduce the prevalence of guns in films in any form. A few years ago, The Hollywood Reporter did a story on guns in the film industry. They reached out to more than 50 movie stars, producers, and directors who had worked in productions that promoted gun use. Do you want to guess how many of them agreed to talk about it? Three. Just three out of 50. Hollywood is uncomfortable with gun issues, and for good reason. Many in the industry are on the more liberal side of the political spectrum, and yet their day jobs see them wielding and promoting the use of guns. It's an uncomfortable place to be. That discomfort is what made them turn away when the reporters came calling about guns. It's a discomfort that can go a long way, if only we can harness it. How do you reduce the prevalence of guns in films? By letting every single person on the planet know exactly how many guns are being promoted by each and every individual of note, and each and every studio in the industry. We create a gun promotion rating. Tom Hanks, he might have a rating of B. Tom Cruise, F. Angelina Jolie, D. Angela Bassett, C. 20th Century Fox, F-. Fox Searchlight, B+. Each year, a new rating. Each actor or studio, a detailed accounting of their contribution to selling more guns and promoting more violence. Or of not promoting it. Not promoting it is important because we have to reward actors and institutions for positive momentum and commitment. Now, those ratings I just cited earlier, those are all mites. This hasn't been calculated yet. Those are examples. So don't take them to the bank yet. 
Most of the ratings can be based on the actual numbers, but some of it can also be about public statements and commitment to the cause. The metrics won't be hard to collect, because they've been collected before. Not for guns, but for cigarettes. Researchers have already developed the methodology to measure these things, tracking movie screen time and multiplying it across total viewership numbers. The ratings themselves won't be difficult either, because that's been done before too, not for guns, but for the environment. Each year, Greenpeace looks at technology companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, and Facebook, and they release a rating. The ratings make headlines. No company wants to be beat by their competitor, and it's been proven to work. After Apple received a series of poor ratings by Greenpeace, ratings that really pissed off Steve Jobs, Apple made serious environmental changes, changes that they still talk about today. Ratings can be a powerful tool, and they're already being used in the gun industry. Each year, the NRA releases a rating that measures a politician's commitment to gun rights. The ratings help guide voters who care about the issue, and they affect everything from a candidate's ability to fundraise to their ultimate support from members of the Republican Party. In the same way, this new gun promotion rating system can make a difference by bringing Hollywood's gun promotion to the attention of actors and writers, by bringing it to the attention of the media, by affecting the choices that moviegoers make. Do they really want to support a company or actor whose actions might lead to violence? And ultimately, the ratings can help change the actions of Hollywood overall. If you're an actor, do you really want to do another shoot-em-up movie if it sinks your rating? If you're a writer, are you really going to write a shootout into this scene? If you're a director who cares, are you really going to want to work with a studio that has such a dismal rating? The organization that does the rating could even conduct its own research, research that could draw a direct connection between gun promotion in films and actual gun sales. With that knowledge, they could quantify the exact impact on gun violence. Alongside the rating could be a very stark number. It might read, Cactus Productions, D-, 668 guns sold, 2 gun deaths, 3 gun injuries. Oof. That's a very hard piece of data to look at when you work for Cactus Productions. But imagine if you saw that same data next to your own name. Vanessa Iglesias, C-, 2,230 guns sold, 4 gun deaths, 12 gun injuries. It's enough to make you sick, to make you see a therapist, to really screw you up psychologically. So I'm not sure this tactic is the right one. It could backfire. Hollywood could, in horror, deny the data outright. Just too much to look at, too much to deal with, to even consider. And anyway, as true as those numbers might be, as true a danger as gun violence is, change is far more likely to come gradually. So it's worth acknowledging and even celebrating small, gradual wins. That's probably why it's worth printing how many guns are sold, even the dollar value of those sales, but keeping the injury and death calculations maybe off the ratings. The gun promotion rating could be hugely influential on the cause, because you can only manage what you measure, and the rating system will help Hollywood measure the problem. But we still need some strategies to manage those numbers down. For that, we get to our next goal, trying to reduce the prevalence of gun violence in films. And that will be the second part of our discussion of reducing gun violence as portrayed in Hollywood. 
In the meantime, you can learn more at solvingguns.org. If you have any thoughts or feedback, you can email us at podcast at polylog.com. You can tweet at me at bstyle. You can tweet at Naomi at sotonaomi underscore. And you can tweet at the show at polylogcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful Independence Day. And we'll talk with you again next week.